Man, talk radio. Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Two nothing. The Edmonton Oilers are leading. Now it's Pisani turning the heat on. Down again over the line. Saps it off. Backdrop. Shot. Score. What a goal. What a goal. Come back. My producer says, come back. You can't hear a word here. City of Champions, provincial capital of Alberta. Don't have to tell you you're in oil country and feeling good. January 25th, I am Brutes Bataglia of Puck77.com. And I'd like to apologize to the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you come in all slow every time. It's just like like your Chris Collinsworth kind of sliding in, just getting in like a little bit of honey. Like, here's the problem. Here's the problem with the Edmonton Oilers. You are? I'm James Cole. And this is Laced Up Hockey Podcast. Second week in a row, the the beers edition of the Laced Up Hockey Podcast. And I can confirm next week will also be a beers edition of the Laced Up Hockey Podcast because we're not going to have much hockey to talk about probably because nothing happens from now until then. We're entering the All-Star so break, folks. We're just going to drink or when you instead? Hear or? Yeah, we'll, we'll, just, we'll talk about some no. stuff. I don't know. We'll figure out something to talk about. Alright. I'm sure we'll figure something out. Sure. But there's plenty to talk about this week, folks. There's no shortage of that. And we're going to get to our movie updates. We're going to get to, uh, you know, some other things. Uh, a question, I guess. Uh, we have an announcement, I suppose, as well. Um, but we're going to shoot right into the hockey here quickly because um, it's fascinating. That's one word. The Edmonton Oilers have relieved Peter Shirelli as their general manager, effective last night. Um, for those of you who are not aware how this kind of went down, and it just got reported as today kind of went on, but apparently Chris Johnson of Sportsnet has reported that it, it actually went down in the second period of last night's game. So it's kind of fascinating, right? Because this week we were supposed to talk about uh, Ryan Spooner and Ty Ratty going on waivers. We were supposed to talk about Mikko Koskinen getting extended and sort of evaluate... You know where Shirelli's at, where the Oilers are at, where what it means for the Oilers moving forward, and, and let's not mince fucking words here. I mean, everyone knew that the writing was on the wall. Everyone sort of knew that you know there was going to be some sort of a development moving forward with the Oilers, and it was probably going to happen pretty quick. Um, 
I sort of thought it was going to happen over the break as I was kind of seeing the Oilers were losing after the second period last night. I didn't realize that when I was checking the score of the game and looking at the highlights from the first two periods that at that exact moment last night, Peter Shirelli was getting relieved uh, at Rogers' place and basically getting sent home from the arena. And uh, goodbye, see you later, we've had enough. It, it's ki- it kind of seems as a rash decision to do it at that point. In most situations, you would think almost it's irrational, but this was one of those things. It's it's amazing he was still there, even. You're James Cole, by the way. I said that. Did you? Okay. Yeah. Well, whatever. Yeah. Like I said, a couple beers. But I am a Puck 77, which I didn't mention. So okay. I, I should, you I should you know, clarify that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, um, yeah. Um, the timing. You're right. This this is kind of odd. Um, not in the sense that it's kind of odd that... Petrilli got fired. That's not odd. He should have been fired long, long ago. But I've never heard of a guy being fired mid-game before. I don't know. I've seen trades happen mid, mid-game. Um, right. Also with the others. My camillary comes right. to mind. But Yeah, and we're going to get to later, too, about that fake tweet that came out and people yeah, fell for it. But yeah. like, that kind of goes back to the idea of like that fake tweet, like we'll talk about. But, you know, the players that it involved were playing in the game at the time. So it's like, you know, that's one telltale sale if a, if, a, if, a, if a player gets traded. What I didn't understand, though, when I thought about it this morning, is like, if Pete Shirelli's not sitting in the Edmonton Oilers press box during the third period, how did Sportsnet not pick that up? Or whoever was carrying the game? Like, don't like they kind of pan over to the press box during a game, and the worse the team is, the generally the more shots you get out of the press box. I'm shocked no one noticed he was well, sitting there. I, the only thing I can think not of complaining, is, I'm is just maybe, maybe guys leave more frequently than we realize. Maybe. Maybe. That's true. And I mean, like, but, it does happen, but it, uh, the Oilers were at home. I mean, it does happen where GMs don't travel with the team, but, like, I, you very rarely see it where if the GMs, like, if they're in Edmonton, the GMs there. If they're, yeah. you know, if they're in St. Louis, Doug Armstrong's there. If they're in Toronto, Kyle Dubas is there, generally, I guess. But, like, yeah, I don't know. But at, at the same time, it, it was it was surprising. It was. Despite not being surprising. surprising and, was, I, you know, yeah. I was going to bed last night reading reports of Ryan Rashog who uh, I mentioned to you earlier, and I'm going to I'm gonna tweet about it tomorrow. Ryan Rashog has done an incredible job this year for TSN, covering the Edmonton Oilers. He has been an unbelievable uh, in-house correspondent, I guess, for the Edmonton Oilers this year. And he does not mince words about how bad this team has been. And he was the first one to actually report it. And it, it was almost to me like he said to Darren Dreger, no, no, no. Let me, let me tweet this. Let me break the news. Because Ryan Rashog has been all over Pete Chiarelli's case all year, and you know, rightfully so. Yeah, I mean, at the at the end of the day, this is where we're at. The Oilers have fired him. Um, Keith Gretzky takes over hockey operation, or sorry, takes over the day to day, the general manager's duties. Bob Nicholson takes over hockey operations for the Edmonton Oilers. I guess in the immediate, what is next? Like, I mean, you know, because I, I think you and I both agree. The general manager isn't coming anytime soon. The, no. the long-term replacement is minimum weeks away. Uh, more than likely, we're looking at months. We're probably looking towards April, May, June uh, for a permanent solution. So for now, we're going to assume Keith Gretzky, Bob Nicholson. Those are the names that you're going to within the Edmonton Oilers. Um, but right now, I mean, like, you know, this kind of stems from Ryan Spooner getting placed on waivers, like I mentioned. Ratty getting placed on waivers. And they got sent to the American Hockey League today after Shirelli got fired. But initially the move was to keep them on the roster because they weren't sure 
if they were going to send them down or what was going to happen. The move was to just to try to get someone to take a contract because little known fact, somehow little known fact, the Oilers are trying to activate Andre Sekera and Oscar Kleffbaum off the injured reserve, but they can't because they have too many players on their roster. Now, they're able to activate someone because they sent Spooner down, but they still need to clear a, a roster spot. So, I mean, I, I assume that's the first issue that gets taken care of. Do you see a trade happening in the near future? Do you think it's going to take a few weeks to kind of settle in? Like, what do you think the immediate future is? It's tough. Um, I don't know if there's any trade partners out there left at this point because you have to assume... With the number of teams in the West that are in contention for a wild card spot at the least, um, no one is going to be helping out the Oilers in that regard. The East is even tougher. You know, hook up. You know, outside of conference, you're looking at a situation where if if you're the Oilers, you're more likely to get rid of something as as a seller than as a buyer. Um, and this, this is a team that's only three points out. Like let's let's not kid ourselves. Like the the race is not it's over. It's kind of crazy. It's it's yeah. it's nuts, and like kudos to them for realizing like this might be the longest we could have given Shirelli in terms of a leash, and you know that game against Detroit uh, a couple nights ago was the final straw that you know broke this franchise's back, and they they made a decision, and rightfully so because you might be able to salvage something here. You have Connor McDavid, you know. Uh, you're getting enough out of your goaltending. You've got some pieces of your defense coming back where you could maybe convince ownership, hey, these guys have missed most of the season. They're difference makers. Sekera, Clefbaum, these are guys that could instantly uh, help out our top four, get us back into respectability. And well, yeah, on a team with uh, with puck possession issues. Sure. You know what I mean? A lot of yeah. that starts with coming out of your own end, and you're talking about two guys that can make like tape to tape passes when the reality is you so, don't have a lot of those on the roster right now right. without Sakura without Clefbaum. I think the I think the the best course of action for this franchise right now in this transition period is to to honestly sit on your hands until maybe a couple days out of the trade deadline and see where you're at and and see by that time like what are you getting out of the guys you have now? Like give give Secker a few games back, give Clef Bomb a few games back, and and see, you know, is this a team that's still hanging around the wild card pitcher? Um, are we in a position to maybe bring somebody in and sneak in, you know, eighth, seventh in the West, and at least you know say salvage the season, you know, and and go to ownership and say you know what. We had a tough year. We we had some a few. We had a new coach brought in. We had a new general manager. Uh, well, not not new general manager, but we you know we made a change in the in the general manager position. This is what we have. We still make the playoffs, so you know don't give up on the the people you have here now. Or in a few weeks, are we looking at a team that's you know fallen completely off the side of the mountain here? And and now we're talking. What would about, you do? Say they say they call James Cole of Puck seventy seven tomorrow. I sit on my hands till the dread. Yeah, line. that's what you would do. Yeah, I'd I'd wait it out, see what happens, give Secker enough time to play, few few games, get Clefbaum back in there. It it does depend, right? Like, in my opinion, anyway. Like, what I would do is say, you know, how many games until the trade deadline? Would you would you say like thirteen, fourteen, maybe? Right now? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, around there. Yeah. Uh, we'll say, well, uh, let's say thirteen games because they're at. Oh no, they're probably at about fifty, so probably less. Maybe ten. They're at fifty. Twelve. Yeah. Okay. Let's say twelve. So, you know, if you go six and five in those eleven games, and you're you know three cards out of a wild card or three spots out of a wild card spot, like it's tough to make any drastic changes. But, I mean, like, if I'm the Oilers, you're in a really tough spot, right? Because if you're trying to make the playoffs, you've got a guy like Cam Talbot who you can move out because you're confident in Koskinen for whatever fucking reason. I don't understand that extension that much. But, um, you, you know, you have the option there to, to make a change and, and to get something for Talbot. You know, you can get a, a prospect and a pick for him and you can move him out because he's not coming back next year. You, you've basically solidified that in signing Koskinen. But do you keep him because you're worried about Koskinen getting hurt on March 31st and then you're entering the playoffs with, who's their third string goalie? David Wells? Sure. As their next option? So, you know, it's a tough situation. For me, I think you sort of drew in the the line in the sand by, by firing the general manager in a way uh, like, first off, I understand they make the general manager change because they're literally at the point where they're almost nervous about what Pete Chiarelli is even going to fucking do. Like, l- let's just be honest here. Like, that that's where the Oilers are at. But, y- you know, you also make the general manager change because you realize there needs to be a change in course of direction. And so I don't think that should stop you from moving out Cam Talbot, from moving out, um, you know, fuck, who else do they even have on an expiring deal? You know, if you can find a spot for Ryan Spooner, great. Um, but it's a tough team to make a to make to make a case for because it's not like you have like a twenty nine year old Patrick Maroon at the end of his contract. You can rent to the Carolina Hurricanes who need a net front presence. You know what I mean? It's not like you have a a like you don't have a lot of tradable options in terms of what you're looking at next year. You've got a guy like Tobias Reeder. Um, you know, I guess you've got a guy like Kyle Brodziak, like you've got little pieces that I guess, yeah, you're highlighting the big name is, um, would be Alex chase on, you, you might be able to find a spot for cheap right now. Yeah, uh, for sure. Right. Like I, I'm sure you could, you might even be able to get a second or a third round pick for him in terms of a net front presence for a team. But I mean, at the end of the day, you're, you're emphasizing a change in direction. And I think the more you can sort of emphasize that, the more you should do. You're just realizing that Miko Koskinen's deal comes with a no movement clause. That's current, so that's not a new deal. That that's a current. Fact. Uh, his new one comes with a modified, I okay. As well, it's not okay. a full, but okay. He continues, yeah. He continues a trend of you know, not necessarily being all that movable. You would sit and wait and see. I would I would do as much as you can. Is my thought uh, while you can. Oh, Al Montoya is in the minors. That's the guy I was thinking of. Yeah. See, like uh, you know, if if you can find someone who's good enough to bridge the gap, if you're in the playoff race, but uh, I don't think there's many people in oil country right now that are too concerned about making the playoffs. They're worried about someone who's going to make a competent move. So if, sometimes the best move is no move. I agree. No, I do. And agree like with you're, that. you're talking about maybe like are we at that point with the Oilers? Well, you think it's better just wait it out? See, you're talking about like Costin going down and like what do you do about that? If Costin goes down, Costin goes down. Like, don't. It's unbelievable that you and I are having a conversation about what do the Edmonton Oilers do if they make yeah. the fucking playoffs yeah. this year. <laughs> like, <laughs> they just fired one of the worst GMs we've ever seen, and uh, I think it's time to maybe do Pete Chiarelli's greatest hits. Should we? Should we do it, James? Sure. For the first week, we would like to uh, introduce a new segment on 
on the podcast that we're hoping sticks around for a while. It's going to, whether and you like it or not. You're not going to hear it all the time. Here's a segment we have named after the song that we're going to play during it. And uh, this segment is called Yakety Sacks. And what we're going to do is we're going to right now go over Peter Shirelli's greatest hits as the general manager and maybe some of his crowning achievements. And uh, let's, let's start out. When Pete Shirelli first got to the Edmonton Oilers, one of his first moves was to trade former 7th overall pick, Griffin Reinhardt, uh, or well, he acquired him, for a 1st and a 2nd round pick in that year's draft. Those picks later turned out to be Matt Barzell and Mitchell Stevens, who's still a decent prospect too, and obviously Matt Barzell, the face of a current playoff team in the New York Islanders. Uh, Pete Chiarelli then went on later to trade Taylor Hall, a former first overall pick, for fourth overall pick Adam Larson. Taylor Hall went on to win the Hart Trophy last year. Uh, in the summer of 2017, Pete Chiarelli signed Milan Lucic to a seven-year, $42 million contract. He is in the second year of that contract and has scored eight goals, 12 goals, somewhere in there. Around there. Under 15. That, that, was about sure. a, that was about a week after trading away Jordan Eberle to the... Uh, I was about to get to that. Yeah. Uh, Pete Chiarelli also traded Jordan Eberle for Ryan Strom. Straight up. One for one. One for one. Similar to the Hall and Larson sort of idea. Earlier this year, Pete Chiarelli traded... <laughs> Ryan Strom for Ryan Spooner. You know, the same Ryan Strom who was acquired for Jordan Eberle. Um, on Tuesday, Monday? I don't know. Monday, we'll say, Pichirelli signed Miko Koskinen to a three-year, $13.5 million contract, their current starting goaltender. Miko Koskinen has played 28, but at the time, 27 games in the National Hockey League. Uh, he had, on the same day, placed Ryan Spooner on waivers. That doesn't even get into the atrocity that was December 30th in which they uh, acquired Alex well, Petrovic. Let's get into it. <laughs> and Brandon Manning uh, in two separate deals. We talked all about this uh, a couple weeks ago. But, again, Chris Weidman goes the other way. He was, he was brought in from Ottawa not like... Not a month earlier, you gave up two draft picks uh-huh. to acquire and get rid of Chris Weidman. Almost impressive. I- I'm almost impressed, Roots. I don't know about you, but the number of top five picks this guy has, has had and has moved out, it- it's impressive. We haven't even talked about Neil Yakubov, who, bust or not, how many GMs can say they traded away a first overall draft pick within three years of drafting him? Not many. Not a lot. A short list. He's traded away a few first overall a, picks. A couple. Multiple. Multiple. And then, you know, a few top ten picks, too. Like, even if you go back to Boston. Uh, Guy wins one cup, thinks he can just Hail Mary every fucking trade. It's hilarious. I think, like, I, I read a post online that was talking about the next team that hires Pete Shirelli as the GM, and it's Who like... Who is this team? He, they're done. No. Like, he's done, man. Like, he, he's gonna work in hockey, for sure. Maybe. He, he'll get a scouting job yeah, or scout consultant away. or whatever. Sure. That's cute, Pete. That's, uh, thanks for contributing. Uh, listen, like, you know, if you hand a guy the a keys to a car, 
and you know he has the car for eight or nine or ten years and then he crashes the car and you hand him a key to another car and eight or nine or ten years later he you know like someone t-bones him it's like okay you know, hand him a keys to the third car or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, you know, maybe the second one wasn't his Not fault. Me. Pete Shirelli crashed two cars in like four years straight into a tree after drinking for like 12 hours straight. Like, you know, <laughs> like there's no redeemable argument here for Pete Shirelli running a team again. And, and I, I'd be uh, unbelievably shocked if he ever runs a team again. The reason we decided to open the show with this and not get into it later was because I would sincerely, and I legitimately mean this for any Edmonton Oilers fans listening to the podcast right now, honest to God, offer some sort of sympathy here. Um, I grew up watching the Oilers as my second favorite team when I was a kid. You know, the Jets weren't around at that point. I was still a Leaf fan when I was a kid, and... and you know, I have always wanted success for this team, and I still do. I still look over them, and I, I, I legitimately wish the people in that city and that team success. But holy fuck are there dark days ahead after dark, dark days in the past. Like, it's insane. Yeah. Ah, they won five cups. They're fine. These fans are fine. The older ones. Ah, the millennials, fine. I guess, will suffer for they're a little fine. while. But they're fine. They're fine? Yeah. They, they won a cup the year before I was born. They're fine. <laughs> I haven't seen a cup in my favorite city in 53 years. Uh, you keep your mouth shut, Oilers fans. you got lots of time. Mm. Lots of time. Okay. You didn't have a Harold Ballard. You didn't have a John Ferguson. Well, maybe you Pete Shirley's John Ferguson. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, you know, we'll get into it as time goes on. But my thought, you know, not, not to spend too much time on the Oilers, but my thought is, is this sort of stems from Daryl Cates. Daryl Cates needs to be- do a better job of overseeing who's running his team because he's clearly not like a hockey man he's a hockey fan and he needs to do a better job overseeing who's running his team like at the end of the day that's just where we're at now so um yeah i i wish them well you good i'm good you're good all right well we'll we'll get to the uh the the thing we've opened up the last few shows with as we're in the midst of oscar season 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 Hmm. james did you watch anything this week i don't think so Holy fuck, you've got some work to do, eh? I've been thinking. That's okay, you're busy. I, I, I can't come up with anything. Yeah? No. I don't think I don't think I did. Okay. I got into life in pieces. Nothing? Yeah, well, that's good. That's good. I recommend that to you. I'm happy you watch that now. Binge that for a bit. Yeah, did you get to the Firefest documentary yet? You didn't, a little bit. You didn't? Not I actually much. asked you. Yeah, yeah, I already knew that. A little bit. You didn't watch Pretty any good. movies of any kind? Nothing? Not even, like, I... like older movies? I don't think so. I got into a few again this week. Really? I, oh, yeah, you know what's you. Amaz- is amazing is because I'm, and I'll, I'll do this when I announce it in a few minutes, um, but I, I got to start creating a document where I can cross off the best, the, the Oscar nominations, mm. and we'll do a, have I seen it, have you seen it, and then eventually it's just going to be a bunch of checks beside me and you've seen like Black Panther. Yeah. Which oh, I actually I haven't that. seen. You've I, got I, that on I, me I right did, now. I did see that. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, months ago. Yeah. When you it came out. That. Yeah. March. <laughs> okay. Um, I saw two films this week um, that are nominated at this current Oscar this year. I saw uh, what was the first fucking one? I saw The Favorite, starring Olivia Coleman and Emma Stone and Ray. And I've never known how to say her name. Rachel Weish, Raquel Weish, something like that. Weish, yeah. Weish. I don't know. You know who I'm talking about, though. Hi. Yeah, from uh, what's she from? Runaway Jury. Anyway, 
uh, I watched that this week. That would be one of my, like, tied for my vote right now for Best Picture, I would say. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Thought it was great. Really funny. Really smart movie. Acting was phenomenal. The other movie I watched was um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, boy. Yeah, which I've on the podcast said I, I have some reservations about that film. And um, I think you went so far as to say you uh, you didn't like it, despite not having seen it. Uh, what I'll get to now is that um, we have an announcement to make on the podcast, is that we are doing a bonus episode for you guys next month. Uh, well, at least one, maybe two, I don't know, we'll see. But well, we're definitely doing one episode. Um, we it's are going to do... 60 minutes of yakety sacks. It's just 60 minutes of yakety sacks, like you couldn't find it on YouTube already. No, we're actually going to do a Oscar preview episode of the podcast, because we are big movie watchers, and we would like to give you our thoughts on what happens. And generally, James and I, every year try to watch well i try to watch every nominee for like a major award sometimes i miss miss like some of the best shorts or the animated films or whatever because i don't really care but best sound mixing sure so you know i try to watch as many movies as i can at least for the major categories the ones that are nominated for a ton of awards and uh james generally gets to like 75 percent of them as well so we're gonna do that for you guys uh we're gonna have a guest on that podcast by the sounds of things so it's going to be a good time. Um, the plan for that is that we are going to release it on Family Day, February 18th. Uh, so that way you guys have an opportunity to, you know, hide in your room from your families or from listen to it. our family to yours. When you're here, you're family. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're going to do that for you guys. So we hope you guys enjoy that. And, um, you know, we're hoping that sort of cuts down on some of the, the movie talk talk and not to spoil anything so uh basically it leads me to my point i'm not going to tell you what i thought about bohemian rhapsody other than other than i didn't really care for it and i'll get into it more so next month during the bonus episode wow because i have i have some strong thoughts about the film and i will share them at that you heard it here first brutes hates queen oh god (laughs) Yeah, that's why we feature a Queen song every month or so, you know what I mean? That's, yeah, it's, you know, we did top ten Queen songs, which I actively participated in. But yeah, so anyway, that's uh, that's what happened there. Um, one thing I will say about Bohemian Rhapsody is that some of the production was pretty good. Like, the way they were mm-hmm. able to, like, reproduce scenes. Like, li- the Live Aid scene was great. And, like, the, everyone says, like, the music's good. But... You know that you got Queen to thank for that. Like that wasn't the movies doing necessarily. Oh, kind of you know how I mean? like you know if if David Bowie teamed up with one of the greatest rock bands in the history of music, that that wouldn't really count as being one of that band's best songs because you know David Bowie was a part of it, not strictly that band writing it. Is that what you're kind of getting at? Yeah, but I mean the band helped produce the song. <sighs> Like, it's not like, it's not like it was, like, Chris Cuthbert calling, like, a football game or something, and, like, you're, it's not an organic announcing of a football game or something. You know what I mean? I mean, like, he does do that. Maybe that's a bad example. It's not like Bob Cole calling tennis or something. No, baby! <laughs> Ronich! That has got to be it! I'd like to hear Chris Collinsworth call a hockey game. <laughs> Here's the problem. You got, you got Fosberg, and he's he's got no idea what he's doing down there. He's not a defensive kind of player. Your your Chris Collinsworth is a great Harry Carey. Oh, thank you. It's not a good Chris Collinsworth. Yeah, thank you, sir. 
Yeah, like, you know what I mean? I'd like to, like, Joe Buck calling a hockey game would be great, you know? Uh, yeah. Shit like that. Okay. You know? I'd like to see some more crossovers, is what I'm I, saying. I, I'd love there some crossovers. There should be a week and a year where, like, they just shift everyone over every few days so, like, the NBA guys go over and talk about hockey. So, like, you turn on TSN and instead of, like, the panel... It's fucking, like, Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal, like, shooting hockey pucks at each other and, you know, all that kind of shit. You know, Doc and Eddie, you know, I I met Tom Brady, you know, he's got a huge cock, you know. <laughs> but up, up, Doc and Eddie, Tom Brady was talking before the game, he wanted to try and be more pliable, so I had to Google what does pliable mean, it turns out he's trying to be more pliable, trying to move around better out there for the New England Patriots. But up, up. And, you know, uh, you know, Crosby, he's, he's been shooting a hot puck the last uh, six six weeks. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's at the top of the leaderboard, and uh, we're just looking forward to a, a hot September for him. You know, he's looking like a, a breakout season, Pat. <laughs> yeah. Daryl Waltrip calling a Montreal Canadiens game. That's fair. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Let's, let's go racing, boys. Yeah. And then they just drop the puck. Beautiful. I'm down. I'm down. Rick Jenneret calling basketball in the finals, you know. King James! King James! King James! Oh, baby! That was your Rick Jenner, right? Yeah, I don't know. It was Mayday, Mayday, Mayday. It was okay. Yeah. yeah. It was alright. He's old. Um, I'm young. You're young? Ish. You've got some summers ahead of you, I is what you so. would say. And you know what you could potentially do? Poten- <sighs> potentially. Potentially do with those summers that you have remaining... This week's sponsor is Airedale Fishing and Hunting. Uh, located in the balmy metropolis of Wawa, Ontario, Airedale has provided a unique wilderness experience since 1945. They have 18 remote fly-in outpost camps that are all unique, and the fly-in experience helps keep the lake pristine and the fishing extraordinary. For fishing, the area is host to brook trout, lake trout, northern pike, perch, and walleye, or pickerel as it's known to you Canadian folk. <laughs> Let's look about. I can't believe these people are still expecting us to say this shit. <laughs> well, yeah, as long as you don't blow this one. Airedale is open from May 15th to October 31st. So obviously they are still closed for this year, but it is a good time to begin looking into your trip for this summer. It's a good way to spend your summer with family, with friends. Go to a part of the world you're never from, or you've never been before, you're never from. You're never from uh, Wawai, Ontario, so you never know what's going to happen when you go up there, right? Yeah, Am I might cross chat in the face or something. I don't I'm know. waving my arms around like I'm Freddie Mercury right now. I'm just moving in the air and moving around like I got a microphone and a song. To sing. Like you just don't care. Yep. Another one bites the dust. It is a perfect opportunity for a weekend away with friends or family to experience wilderness like never before. Visit www.outpostcamps.com for more information and to begin planning your trip to Airedale fly-in fishing and hunting today. Do you think Airedale sponsors the podcast on their commercials? What? Like, do you think, like, the Airedale people are, That like, there's, like, a Rock 94 ad of, like, Airedale of, like, Jen and Martin being like, and by the way, listen to Laced Up a Hockey Podcast. Sponsored by Airedale Fishing. It'd be weird. If, it'd be weird if they did an ad for their own ad in within the ad. It's <laughs> so. Thank you for listening to this Airedale ad. Please listen to Laced Up a Hockey Podcast, sponsored by Airedale Hunting and Fishing. It's not like it's the name of the podcast. I don't need to say it like that. Yeah, it's fair. Okay, yeah. you get it. You get what I'm you saying. Got it. Go fishing, folks. Yep. 
There was a trade this week. No, there wasn't. Yeah. Uh, no, because Pete Shirley got fired, so who was making deals? <laughs> it didn't involve the Edmonton Oilers, thank God. Uh, it actually didn't involve anyone who's ever played for the Oilers, which is kind of nice. I don't know about that. Well, they haven't yet. Who got traded? Uh, Nino Niederreiter got traded to the Carolina Hurricanes from the Minnesota Wild for Victor Rask. I'll concede. <laughs> I'm right. You'll give me that no, one? I'll give you that one. Yeah, okay. That's good. I don't know. I don't know what argument you had there. Um, thoughts on the trade there, Jimbo? Yeah, the Minnesota Wild are fucking idiots. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Elaborate, good sir. Nino Niederreiter was the better player in this trade in every conceivable way. Whether you want to go old school, watch the hockey games approach, or analytics sit behind a computer screen and and don't ever watch a live broadcast approach, he was the better player. I don't understand what the Minnesota Wild think they're getting out of Victor Rask, aside from maybe a couple more years out of him, because I think he's, what, he's 22 and Nino's 24, 25, something like that. Uh, Victor Rask is 25. So he's like 25 and Nino's like 27 or 28. I don't, I don't know. Time is operating in strange ways as I get older. Uh, I, I believe Nino Niederreiter's 26. Huh. Yeah, then it makes no sense for the Wild at all. So that's the end of my rant, I guess. Yeah, I mean... I, I love Niederreiter. I, I don't love Rask. I don't see what well, you think you're getting out of Rask. That's so great. One thing I will say, I guess, about Rask is that Rask is at least a semi-young centerman on a team that is going to need help at center, or arguably already does. Niederreiter really struggled for a bit there with the Wild, and, and, and the only logic I can find behind it is that the Wild took a look at Niederreiter's struggles... They anticipated that those struggles were for real, despite the fact that he had been producing for a while, and basically tried to sell high on a product that they assumed had been, you know what I mean, wasn't going to be back to where he was at one point. Uh, I mean, in terms of their careers, both those guys got over 40 points the same amount of times, right? They both did it twice. So, yeah, I don't love it. But, like, uh, I, I saw everyone's outrage on Twitter and everything like that. And, and Nino Niederreiter is one of those guys, like, I would argue is, is kind of at the point of his career where, like, there's more name value than there is real value there, I think, with Nino Niederreiter. Like, I don't really... He's a third-line winger who... Yeah, but you uh, traded a third-line center for a third-line winger. And... Arguably, he's he potentially a second-line center, I think, is what they see. I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying, like, I think that's what they see... Maybe the numbers don't point that way, but he's been on the Hurricanes, so it's hard. It's I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah, like you're not putting him ahead of Stahl. You're not putting him ahead of Koivu. By the time you are, he's oh gonna... Eric Stahl. Yeah. Oh no. No. So like by the time he's old enough to, you know, like sorry, by the by the time those two guys are gone and he could take their positions. Well, Eric Stahl's gonna... on the last year of his deal. He's on a contract year, so he'll, he's gone he'll, at the end. He'll be of the year. back. You think so? I think so. I think, I think he'll go somewhere else. I don't think the Wild are going to offer him any more than what he's already making. I think, I think Eric Stahl wants well. to stay in the area for you think so? familial reasons. It's possible. Yeah. Uh, it's possible the Wild knows something we don't, and maybe Eric maybe. Stahl's leaving too, though. Is that's right? fair. Like, that's the other thing. But I, I, I just see a situation where you're you're probably better off getting like a second or you know maybe, maybe even a first-round pick for this guy. And for Bill Ryder? Yeah. Really? At least a second. 
I wouldn't, and I'm not a GM. But. If, if Brett Connolly can go for a second, then Niederreiter can go for a second. I'm just, when did Brett Connolly ever go for a second? 2002. 2002? Yeah, to the Sabres, when he from the Islanders. Tim Connolly? Yeah. You're talking about a trade from 16 years ago? Sure. Well, Tim Connolly was a second-line centerman, though. Was to he? compare Nino Niederreiter. One, Niederreiter, one season over 20 goals? Niederreiter's a winger, first off. Okay. Connolly, well, don't give me goals. He was a playmaking center. We're not going to argue about Tim Connolly right now. But, like, <laughs> uh, like I, I don't think Niederreiter's worth... Brett Connolly, if you're going to come do those comparisons. Like, they're comparable players. I get that. I don't like Brett Connolly. Didn't Paul Goss did go for a first a couple years ago? Centerman. Okay. What value does a winger have? Like, not much. Like, a winger, okay. that, a winger I, that can score 15 to 22 goals a year. Is a second round pick. You think so? Yeah. If Paul Goss has a first, Nino's a second. Well, give me a wing. Give me a winger like a, a roughly the same numbers that's been traded for a second round. JP Dumont. JP Dumont ever get traded? Yeah. To I the Preds. I thought he was a signing. Let's look it up. JP Dumont. What are we saying? What's JP Dumont doing these days? Retired, sitting in a boat in Lake Michigan. I don't know. Sitting in a boat in Lake Michigan. Well, he's from Montreal, Quebec. But. Nah, it's uh, uh J.P. Dumont was never traded. That's wild. Oh, no, he was traded. Is that a real trade? In March 2000, he was traded by the Blackhawks to the Buffalo Sabres. Dumont, Doug Gilmore, and a draft pick went to the Sabres in exchange for Michael Groshek. So basically, Nino Niederreiter is worth... <laughs> Is worth Michael Groshek if the Wild were to throw in Doug Gilmore, which they didn't. So I guess that's all you get is Victor Rask instead of Michael Groshek. All right. My point is that they shouldn't have traded for a guy that's the same age as the uh, guy they're trading away. I don't know. I don't need the guy that's going to be that in a few years. I didn't think it was that bad of a trade. I, I, trade. I, I don't. I don't see in Nita Ryder what a lot of people do. I see a guy who's an average to below average skater where his second most marketable quality is his shot. If he can't get himself into a position to take his shot, then what worth is he really? Uh, he's not terrible possession-wise, so that's, I guess, a good thing. Not a, he's, you know. he's better than Rask possession-wise. He puts up more points than Rask. He's what, but at a more important position, Ra- so it's hard to say. But not know. if you don't need that position. I think they will, though. That's my point. They will, teams will but by the time they the do, then it's They might need an extra. That's my point. I don't know because I don't know. This is not a good team. The Wild. Not as, we talk not as the Hurricanes. No, I think they're close. No. You, they're you've close. been saying they're close for three years now. No, not really. I thought they were bad when everyone else thought they were good. I'm saying they're I'm, getting there now. I'm tired of hearing how close the Hurricanes are because every year they're close. They need a goal scorer and they went after Anita Ryder. That's, that's what I'll give them. Like, like if sure. they see someone who is maybe a 30 goal scorer, Anita Ryder. Yeah. Even a 25, sure. Sure. I don't see him that way. He scored 25, I think, was his career high. I don't have it up here. I want to say it was. it's like 25. But regardless, like, they if that's what they Tara see, Vine then great. it's a great so, trade then. Yeah, that's that's a good move, I guess. Yeah, I think we're going to get into that as well. Maybe we'll do that right now. I don't know. I was going to save that. Yeah, Tara Vina, what would you think about the deal? It's good. I liked it. It's, it's the kind of guy that you want to have locked up for that, you know, five, was it five years, 5.4, I think it was. I think that's perfect. Uh, that's exactly the kind of deal where there's, by the time you're maybe getting into trouble with the contract, it's coming off the books at a time where maybe you can flip it as a rental in the last year or two. So I love it. Um, 
Teravainen, like, I think there's no risk, really, in his game. He's not going to score you 40 goals. But he, he, he might put up 30, 31, you know. Goals? Yeah. He's he's a, he's a low 30, maybe mid-30 kind of goal scorer at the height of his, you know, potential. I'm giving you the look, but I do agree with you in a way, because I that's how I kind of look at William Nylander. It's the same sort of thing. Like, Nylander could probably score, like, 35 shot the puck more. Yeah. Problem with Teravainen is a pure playmaker, and Tara, yeah. like, Nylander's the same idea. I guess Ehlers has kind of been that way to his career. Like, those are sort of the comparables yeah. that come to mind to me. Uh, I love the deal. I think it's yeah, I think it's fantastic definitely. for Carolina. I'm not a, I'm not a huge Teravainen guy, but I can admit that this is an incredible value. Um, you know, you're looking at a guy. He, he set his career high last year in points with 64. The team's arguably gotten better. He's gotten better. He's got 40 points in 49 games right now. Talking about a guy who's you know on pace for like 65, 70 points again this year. If you're getting 65 to 70 points out of a guy, you're paying just over five million dollars. You know, the Calgary Flames can tell you maybe you've overpaid for the guy because they're getting the same thing out of Elias Lindholm for less. That's really the only comparable, though, where it's a guy like under less, like less than $5 million on a longer deal. There's not many other options out there. Like, that's it's a fantastic contract for the Hurricanes. You're paying him second-line money to do a first-line job, probably. Yeah. So I, I think it's fantastic. Like, I, I, I love it. Big fan. Who's Carolina's GM? Don Waddell. I've been drinking. Oh, my God. Fuck. Look at Donnie Waddell, eh? Look at Donnie boy. Like, the renaissance. It's time. Everything's, uh... We're, so we're bringing back old things that's now. That's what Pete needs. Just, like, five to ten years off. <laughs> so, we're all in agreement that Pete Shirelli's big comeback is going to be in 2020. 27. It's not a real year. As general manager of the New Orleans Panthers. <laughs> and he decides to trade an, an aging Evgeny Dadnov on Mardi Gras for a young 18-year-old stud and probably sign Aaron Eckblad's younger cousin to like a 8-year, $4 million per year deal. And he's going to win an ours. That's what the, the equivalent yeah, of this would be. Yeah, sure, you can see it happening? Sure. All right, yeah, I'm in. I'm yeah, all in. Sure. You in? Yeah. I could get me a New Orleans Panthers jersey right about now. I'd be really into that. Fuck. If, if New Orleans hires Pete really, it really is sinking. Yeah? Nice. Well done. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about Twitter here for a little bit. Because Twitter sort of consumes our lives in, in probably a, a, a negative way. Now I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to bring in an impromptu guest here on the podcast, I think. Uh, I, I can be found at, at Coach Rockhouse, for what it's worth. Just gonna... I'm at Brutes Pataglia. We're going to call nice. our good friend Kyle Hogan. Nice. And see, uh, Kyle has some thoughts about Sportsnet and oh. Hockey Central. I watched that So we're going to talk to him, but he's been tweeting about it, and it's uh, he's a viral Thanks sensation. What's going on, Kyle? Nothing much, guys. Thanks for having me on. You're on Laced Up a Hockey Podcast. How you doing? Uh, pretty good. I'm uh, in the middle of a Madden game. I'm up 13-6 in the fourth quarter right now, so uh, it's crunch time for sure. What team are you? Uh, I'm the Vikings versus the Eagles. Skull. It's kind of amazing you're winning as the Vikings. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Kirk Cousins has thrown three picks, and I'm still winning the <laughs> half, so. 
I like how you say Kirk Cousins has thrown three picks. Like, it's Kirk Cousins' fault, when in reality it's probably yours. Well, yeah, you know, it kind of is, but, you know, me at the same time. Yeah, well, but, what are you going to uh, do? Uh, anyways. Yeah, we were talking about some hockey, Kyle. We're going we're gonna to ask you your opinion, because uh, the Oilers made a, made a change there at the general manager position, and uh, I know... Uh, I know you're a big Flames guy, but you, you've been watching Hockey Central lately, and you've been uh, a bit of a, a bit of a, a Twitter uh, presence. Presence, a presence, I would say, definitely not a star or a sensation. But uh, you've been on Twitter talking about Hockey Central, man. Like, what's uh, yeah. what's going on with that fucking show, man? Like, you got some thoughts there? Well, you know, Hockey Central. It's called Hockey Central, and. So two days ago, Pichirelli signed Miko Koskinen to one of the worst contracts I've ever seen. So I skip out on class. I, I had class the next day at 12, and I skipped out just so I could hear Nick Kiprios and Jeff Merrick, who's never snipped professional hockey in his life, talk about this awful deal. And uh, so I turn it on or whatever, and the, the lead was how the Leafs canceled their practice and that's all they spoke about for the first 15 minutes. So I don't even know what's wrong with Hockey Central. Maybe they should change the Leaf Central, but it's kind of getting fucking ridiculous, if you ask me. I, I, I just, it's unwatchable. You turn TSL on, it's the same fucking thing. Like tonight even. So they talked about how Matthews and Marner have played 81 shifts together over the season. <laughs> and um, that's some of the most in-depth advanced stats I've ever even heard. You know Calgary's 9-0-1 in their last 10 and I haven't heard a thing about them? That's coming from an unbiased blamed opinion. But, <laughs> but uh, I, I just can't handle this, this Leafs content. It's, it's fucking ridiculous. I mean, 15 minutes. I mean, are, are you guys fans of Hockey Central? I mean, I, I do like Hockey Central. I like Jeff Merrick a lot, which is part of the reason why I, I would ever watch it. And, and, but, uh, like, I will say this, I've said it before on the podcast, is that I, I, I'm a Leafs fan, but I don't really like hearing about the Leafs, and I even more so don't even really like talking about the Leafs. Like, I just kind of like to go to the games, have fun, you know what I mean, with the fans when you're with the fans, watch the game with people, but I don't, I don't know. I don't really care to, like, analyze everything with every little person, because I like to just think for myself. But on the same hand, the, yeah, like the Hockey Central's a little excessive with it. I will say that. It, it is a lot, because you turn it on, and it's, it's like, it's 25, 30 minutes. Me and, me and Heinrich at work, we always talk about how, uh, I always jokingly tell him, like, when I get to work, that I'm excited to watch Leafs lunch. Because it's even worse, man. Like, at least with Hockey Central, you get to talk about other teams. But at least le- with Leafs Lunch, they tell you that it's just going to be Leafs content. But, man, they don't even, like, they don't even brush upon other teams, really. If they'll talk about the Bruins, it'll be like, how does this affect the Leafs? And it's like, oh, my God, it doesn't. Who cares? I like yeah, Hockey yeah, Central a little bit. But at least it's called Leafs Lunch, right? But this is called Hockey Central. Hockey Central? We're supposed to talk like hockey? Like, they can talk about the KHL for all I care, as long as it's not the least. Like, I do not understand. Like, if you live in Vancouver, do you want to hear about the Leafs all day? Probably not. Probably not. I mean, do you want to hear about the Flames all day? Probably not. But uh, there's just no diverse conversation on sports. And they honestly have the worst lineup of analysts 
Like, it might even be worse than NBC. I'd rather listen to Jeremy Roenick and Pierre Maguire than Doug McClain. Like, uh, it, it's out of control. Why is Doug McClain even on Hawkins Central? I don't know. He's terrible. I'm not a fan. Like, I'm not a Kiprios guy or a Doug McClain fan. That's a problem. So, like, I'll watch Hockey Central if it's, like, Jeff Merrick. I used to like him when Darren Millard was on, but now, like, even Jeff Merrick's great. And then if he's on with, like, Brian Burke and Gord Stellick or something, it's fine. But, like, when he's on with Kiprios or McLean, I can't do it, man. Even one of the two is too much. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. It's, it's unbearable. Because, like I said, I mean, if you tune in, you're going to hear about uh, who played with who on the Leafs for about 30 fucking minutes. And I, I can't take it. There's nothing, there's no other program in Canada that you can watch. <laughs> Where you can hear a, a, a diverse conversation about numerous teams in the league. That there's no program, and that's kind of like I like what you guys are doing. You're keeping the conversation up to all 31 teams. Well, hey, that, that's what I like to hear, man. Thanks, I thanks for that. But know. we haven't really talked too much about Vegas, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, but I, Kyle, I think what I, maybe I'm hearing here is that. Uh, you need to maybe head up a new, like, Sportsnet office out in Calgary, maybe, and start getting the conversation going about, like, Noah Hannafin and the guys, eh? Like, that'd be all right. You could uh, you could sleep on Sam's couch in Edmonton and then just drive up to Calgary for a few hours and talk with, uh, like, a former flame or something all day. You could be the host. Oleg Saprikin. And you and, like, Oleg Saprikin and Damon Lankow could talk about the flames. Yeah, me and Oleg, yeah, we go way back. What do you think Damon Lankow's doing these days? Like, where where's he at? Where, what do you think's going on with old Lanky? Uh, I think he was in Bosnia. In Bosnia? Yeah. yeah no, like, that's a real thing. Like, he married some woman. What's... Oh, so he's just there... He's just there to keep the old wife happy, eh? Old, old Olga. I think he's still playing, like, tier one hockey in Bosnia. Really? What, um, well, what was the name of the Jay and Dan, uh, the Russian lady that they were, uh, writing to? What was her name last year? Do you remember that? James? Uh, Olga. It was, it was Olga. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe yeah. Damon Lankow has fallen in with Olga. He's in with the wrong crowd, maybe. Honestly, he hasn't been, like, in the public eye lately, so anything's up for speculation at this point. Well, maybe we can lure him back to Calgary and get him on a, a Sportsnet show, uh, uh, Flame Central with Kyle Hogan and Damon Lankow. Flame Central with Kyle Hogan and Damon Lankow. I like it. You're in, eh? Well, yeah. I could have, like, my own thing. We could have, like, beer segments. It could be, like, the spit and chicklet thing, but better, honestly. <laughs> your thoughts, uh, your thoughts on the Oilers, man. Are the Oilers going to make the playoffs? What's going to happen there? The Oil- are the Oilers going to make the playoffs? Not the question. Yeah. Fuck the Oilers. <laughs> you heard it here on uh, Flame Flame Central with Kyle Hogan and Damon Lankow. Fuck the Oilers. Well, honestly, man, like, what? Can you name me one good thing about that organization that's not to do with number ninety-seven? Number twenty-nine. No, he sucks. <laughs> How does okay? How did he get into the All-Star game over Mark Giordano? This is a topic I'd like to speak about. How is Mark Giordano not in the All-Star game? Same reason Morgan Riley's not in the All-Star game, baby. Well, fuck. 
why is Eric Carlson and Brent Burns over and Drew Doughty over Giordano? Because they're playing sure in, they're playing in California, man. You gotta sell tickets in California. Like, oh my god. Dreisaitl's not even good. That's the worst part. If he didn't play with McDavid, he wouldn't do anything. I don't know about Again, that. that's an unbiased opinion from a Flames fan. No. This caller is starting to get aggressive, maybe. Uh, James, you got any questions for Kyle? Yeah. Um, how much did you spend on tickets to Jerome Ginla's jersey retirement next month? How much money did I spend on tickets? Yeah. Um, if my mom's listening, I shouldn't say. But well over two paychecks worth at Sportcheck. So about 200 bucks. About how much I make at Sportcheck. That's fair. Nice. Yeah, they cut my hours. <laughs> well, you'll have to take that up with uh, Sport Check customer service. Kyle, it's, it was great to have you on, man. Thanks for joining us. And uh, best of luck with your new show, you and Damon Lanko. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll be sure to tweet at him if he has a Twitter. But uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. All right, Kyle. Good. Best of luck to you in your game. Thank you. That was Kyle Hogan. Guess fucked. That was uh, maybe a one and done appearance on that one. Wow. But that, he, might, that might be the new Ben Teller. <laughs> Kyle's kind of like, uh, kind of like uh, Alex Jones a little bit. It's like a, you think it's going to be interesting, and then it's interesting, but for all the wrong reasons. I wonder if he knows how like stocks work and shit. Stocks? Yeah. Like, does he realize that like Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment kind of like partially owns Rogers? No, I don't think he realizes how any oh, of that works. Okay. Like, I don't, I don't even think he... I Honestly, I'm not even sure he understands that, like, Sportsnet shoots in Toronto. So it's also, like, they're right there, and then the Leafs play down the road, and it's like, well, you know, a lot of their listenership's in Toronto. Yeah. I get it. It's just no one else does that. Sure. If the Jets start up, you know, if you, if you televise Jets lunch every day, which I'm hosting... No, I'm just kidding. I would like to, though. That'd be fun. If anyone from TSN's listening, I'll host Jets Lunch. Well, yeah, like TSN 1050, the Jets, or whatever it is. Like, they don't talk about the Leafs for four hours. No. Talk, talk about, the, about Jets. the Jets. Because it's a radio show in Winnipeg. Yeah. And same thing, Hockey Central. I, I get I get his gripe. I don't know. I get it. But, you know, hopefully uh, we can start a campaign here and get Kyle Hogan maybe his own show with Sportsnet. So let's sure. let's maybe get that going if... Uh, if Damon Lankow is listening to the podcast or anyone has a connection to Damon Lankow, tweet at HHHogan97 uh, on Twitter. That may or may not be his Twitter handle. I don't really remember it right offhand, but it's something like, like, like that. Like HHHogan, like as in three H's, or is it H Hogan? No, I think. Uh, I, th- I want to say it's H Hogan. Okay. That yeah, that makes Because I sense. think of the H, because it's more confusing that way. Because I had yeah. to ask him one time, what does the extra H stand for? And he had to point out that it's Hollywood. And then I get it. Cause I, Holly- thought, I thought Hulk. Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Maybe there is two H's, actually, and then Hogan. I don't know. Well, you guys will find him, hopefully. If not, whatever. Well, whatever. <laughs> um, we were going to talk, speaking of Twitter, we we're going to talk a little bit about the fake trade that went viral on the internet. Yeah, James is rubbing his forehead. Um, there was a trade that didn't happen that was on uh, Twitter that went around. <laughs> so here's... <laughs> I can't believe this actually happened. Like, th- this was... 
this was insane that this this happened. Oh, I can't find the guy. I should start tweeting shit and just seeing if people will believe me. That, that's to the point where we're at now. Oh, I work for a podcast that talks about hockey, and I think that Gunnar McDavid is worth two bags of beans and a half a paycheck for employee uh, at Harvey's, and that's what he got traded for, and believe me, because I work for a podcast that talks about hockey. That's about as relevant as what this tweet was. So, if you didn't see this, uh, Sam Carcidi, this was like a week ago, but we just kind of, we just didn't get a chance to talk about it last week. Uh, Sam Carcidi is a beat writer for the Philadelphia Flyers of the still Philadelphia Inquirer. Um, Sam is for lack of a better way of putting it, not a millennial. And Sam potentially has not in really used his Twitter account all that much and is really not that familiar with how things look online. So uh, basically what happened was is someone airbrushed a, a fake headline of a trade that happened, and, and I will read the trade. Uh, trade alert. The Edmonton Oilers have traded goaltender Cam Talbot and forward Yesse Pugliarvi to the Philadelphia Flyers for Wayne Simmons. Stay tuned to TSN for more information about this trade. Now, what's worth noting about this is underneath that, for some reason, there's a floating hashtag that is hashtag TSN Hockey, half of which has been airbrushed out by what looks like like a white eraser that would you have you would have on like fucking Microsoft Paint. Uh, a picture of Pugliarvi and Talbot, but no Simmons. Uh, then above it, you'll see the TSN Hockey picture. And it says TSN Hockey at TSN Hockey, and then a one-hour airbrush mark. All of which have been touched by a yellow erase um, message. Um, so what looks like happened here is someone tried to think of the absolute least amount of time that they could possibly take on paint to make up a fake headline and then posted it as quick as they possibly could. Sam Carcidi of the whatever I said he was, um, fell for it for sure. And, uh, basically said afterwards, after he broke the news of the trade and retweeted it and everything, he also said, the Flyers say there is no truth to TSN's report that Wayne Simmons is being traded to the Edmonton Oilers for goaltender Cam Talbot and right-wing Jesse Pugliarvi. Story has since been removed. To which uh, Bob McKenzie, a national treasure at this point, uh, 1.6 million followers on Twitter, which is basically every person that's ever watched a hockey game ever. I'm told TSN says there is no truth to your report that says TSN reported it. None of our insiders, reporters, are aware of this report. TSN.ca says nothing was posted, no story was posted, uh, no story removed according to our people. If that's incorrect, please let us know. (laughs) You want to know the funniest part of this whole thing for me? Oh, there's so many things. I'll tell you the funniest for me. Okay. If 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 you toss in like a like a fifth round pick along with Simmons, probably the best deal of Shirley's career in Edmonton. <laughs> it's not not a bad deal. It's not a bad trade. I mean, it's bad, but it's like Shirley level good. Yeah. It's like oh, okay. I well, could, it made sense if you know. 
it, it would be, you know, what would make that a good move is like if you then found a taker for Lucic and then you signed Simmons sure. to Lucic's deal. Sure. It's like, okay, at least Simmons I can got sort it. of skate still. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking, he has hands. The and Flyers can could shoot. use a goalie. The oh Oilers could use a guy that's not. So, uh, first off, in my opinion, the trade makes no sense. And so when I first saw it, I'm like, okay, well, because I saw Sam Carcidi's tweet. I'm told there's no truth, and so basically I saw it from a verified Twitter account, said there's no truth to this deal, but sometimes when you see that, it's like, okay, well maybe there is truth to it, and Carcidi's here and wrong the second time around. So I saw the deal, and immediately I, I saw what he was saying, and I'm like, okay, well that tra- fucking trade makes absolutely no sense. Like, I get maybe Shirelli makes the trade, but like, uh, I think better of the Flyers at this point, I don't think that trade happens. Now when I looked at the airbrush change... Uh, and the edit that they made, the first thing that stood out to me immediately, and that's when I knew this was for sure a fake story, A was the amount of the airbrushed edit where, like, 75% of the TSN hockey hashtag has been removed because it's, like, almost erased out. And it clearly looks like it's been airbrushed in. Also, Flyers is not capitalized. The same TSN that's, like, never really wrong about trades, and this guy fell for it. A guy who's been writing for years, like, clearly just kind of fell for it. Yeah, Twitter must have changed their font for, like, eight hours. Part of, that's part, what it is, right? It almost looks Poor like a Facebook, a Facebook post with, like, a Twitter background. Like, it's like, it doesn't look right at all. He's on Twitter, he's reading it on Twitter. How do you not, how do you see Twitter... And then you fall for that part of it. Yeah. So anyway, there was some outrage. Um, basically, Bob McKenzie had to come to the rescue, save TSN's reputation, air quotes, because I'm sure a lot of people were really concerned about uh, that being real. But apparently one of the main people who fell for it was actually a legitimate like writer for the Philadelphia Gazette. What did I say? Inquirer? Sure. Journal? Yeah. It was probably one of the dumber things I've ever seen. Because every year you see these come out. Like, you see Eklund reports David Perron to the Kings, E4, and all that stupid shit from back in the day. But, like, at no point did this look credible. No. And it's dumber than most of the shit you see every year. Like, normally there's, like, everyone words it properly and does everything properly and the trade makes sense. And it's, like, at Darren Dreger, but it's, like, there's, like, three R's and Darren or whatever. You know? Or two G's and Dreger. And it's, like, okay, like, maybe five, ten seconds and you're actually thinking it's real. And then you look at the fine print and it's, like, okay. It doesn't make sense. That no point did this seem credible at any point. But Sam Carcidi fell for it and whatever, he's an idiot. So, go Flyers. Any thoughts, James? You know, social media is hard. And, uh... I don't think we should be so hard on those that get fooled by social media because I think we've all been duped. When were you duped? You know, <laughs> when I joined Twitter, I didn't know all the rules and, I don't know, hashtags worked and... It's, ha- it's Hashtank? Not, what is that? Some kind of dope? It's a confusing world out there on the big wide web. And it's just an old poor man that, you know, he got confused for a little bit and... Duped. Yeah, doesn't know how to use hashtags. I got okay, well, whatever. Poor Sam. You know, God bless to the Flyers and Sam, and hopefully all is well with his journalistic career and 
what obviously was a some semi-major mistake. Um, we were going to get to one more question, then we'll get to our top ten, which should be a quicker top ten, so we're, we're pretty much done here. But uh, the question of the week, I suppose, which was not posed by a specific listener in a way, but was posed by our parent company, I guess, at Puck77, uh, posed an interesting question this week. And I, uh, you've been hearing this debate a lot recently, and I'm not really sure where it's come from, but I, I sort of kind of wanted to weigh in my two cents and your two cents on this. Uh, the question was, i got to find the exact wording here, actually, because I want to have it correct. Um, and maybe you posed earlier there might be a couple of different ways to answer the question, so we'll kind of see what you know what we come up with here once we, we look at it. And I, I must say I've done no preparing for the question. I just remembered we were going to talk about it. Uh, tell us who you believe is the most underrated, undervalued NHLer. So you asked me earlier, does it mean undervalued by their team? Maybe right. someone who should be playing yeah. more minutes that the team doesn't realize should be playing more minutes, like they're playing behind people in the lineup that they shouldn't be playing behind people in the lineup. Um, that might be more of a difficult question that we would have to pose for another day, unless you have an answer. I don't have an answer right offhand. But overrated by the NHL community is a little bit easier to sort of go after. Do you have someone who maybe you think is undervalued by their current team? By their team? Yeah, um, not necessarily. Or within their uh, team, you, you know. Like I, I was, I was just wanted to clarify the question before we hopped on here and started waving our lips around like we knew what we were talking about. But um, do you wave your lips when you talk? You waggle? Do you waggle? I waggle would be further away from what I think you do with your lips when you talk. <laughs> All right. I would go with more of like um, a move. Move is what I would say. Flap? Combine, I guess, would be... Flap, flaps, fine, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Your answer, Jim, in, Jimothy? In terms of, of underrated players, um, not necessarily by their team, I, I have to go with Mark Stone. Mm. I think Mark Stone is probably one Good of answer. the best players in the National Hockey League right now. I, I think that there's been... A recent influx in 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 the at least the advanced stats world that has, that has come to his defense and said like hey like this guy's pretty good, but I still don't know if it's as good as people think like or, or realize sorry because he 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 might be like we're looking at maybe like a top twenty top ten hockey player like. It's. I get it. It's hard Think to argue. top ten in the league. It's well, yeah, Mark maybe. Stone? Like it, it's hard to argue with your Ovechkins, who's putting up thirty-five uh, goals in the first you know fifty games of the season. It's hard to argue with you know Sidney Crosby or you know Brent Burns or uh, John Gibson, however you want to break down how each position is valued. But like what Mark Stone brings to the Ottawa Senators night in and night out. Both ends of the ice, it's it's beyond impressive. Um, you have to sit back and ask yourself, like, where would this franchise be without Mark Stone? If he was, you know, a, a year older and had walked away from this team last year instead of what I, I can only assume is going to be this year, like, this team is a, a fire sale, an absolute disaster um, without a player like Mark Stone lineup. And honestly, if he doesn't win the Selkie this year, I, I don't know why we have the award. 
Honestly. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't get it. Okay. Thank you. That's been my time. Probably the most prominent that comes to yeah. mind. Uh, Andre Cash in, in Anaheim. Oh, you son of a bitch taking uh, my guy. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, but I agree. I, yeah. 100%. That was, my, that was my guy I was going to, for sure. Yeah. No, Andre Kasha um, is arguably the maybe third best forward on the Anaheim Ducks. He never gets talked about. Uh, the only guys I would say definitely are ahead of him are uh, uh, definitely Getzlaff, probably Raquel. Um, but other than that, I would say Cash is probably their next best forward. Like he, he, he was a guy I was talking about last year, and I picked up a few times in fantasy hockey, and I was complaining to you guys, uh, um, you know, about how he wouldn't get enough ice time, and I'd pick him up all the time, and you guys were kind of laughing at me. I'd pick him up for a game, and he'd get no points, no shots, no nothing, and I'd sit here watching the game because I got John Gibson, and I'm watching the game, and and Cash is all over the ice. Like, he has a puck all night, and he'd go out there in overtime, and he's the most dominant player on the ice for either team. It doesn't matter who they're playing. They'd be playing the fucking Oilers. Connor McDavid's out there, and Cash gets a puck, and he's doing McDavid things out there. And it's like, how does this guy, how does no one know this guy exists? Because, well, A, because he plays in Anaheim. And B, he was playing 12, 15 minutes a night at most last year. Uh, unfortunately for Andre Kasha, and it's kind of interesting, and, and we'll work it in, I guess, part of the podcast for news, where the is Kasha is going to be out for the rest of the season. Uh, the Ducks just announced tonight that he is probably going to be out for the next five to six months. So there's, there's really no hope that he's coming back this year. Torn Labrum, I believe, is what it was. So Kasha would be my first guy. Uh, another guy that I was thinking about, honestly, and I mean, a lot of people know he's good, but I don't think people understand how good he is, is, is Victor Arvidsson. Uh, Victor Arvidsson can do anything. The guy has proven he can score goals. He's an elite playmaker. He's one of the best skaters in the game. Um, you know, I don't think people really realize just how good he is. Like, he, he is... Probably the best forward on the Nashville Predators, I would think, and he doesn't really get rated that way. And the Predators' uh, offense doesn't get talked about a lot, and it's getting a little bit more attention now because Forsberg's had a pretty good production rate this year, and uh, Johansson's been a little bit better overall this year. But I think he's another guy. Um, one guy that's starting to really prove his worth since the trade is Dylan Strom, which is another name I would talk about where I think you know you're potentially looking at a legitimate second line center there in Chicago. Uh, based on what I've seen with him there. Like, I watched him a bit in Arizona as, uh, early in the year because I had a bunch of Coyotes in uh, in fantasy hockey at the time, and I would watch him when he was up, and, and I wasn't overly impressed. And, and as the year's gone on, like, he's got 27 points in 47 games. He's done a pretty good job there in Chicago. And, um, you know, we talked about him maybe two months ago on the podcast about is he a legitimate NHL player, and I guess we kind of settled on you know, the Coyotes should be patient or give him a change of scenery and, and he'll thrive. And he got that change of scenery pretty shortly after we talked about it and he's done great. So, I don't know, those would be a few guys, I would say. What about a guy like Robin Leonard in uh, New York? Yeah, well, you and That's... I have talked about this. You know wow. You know damn well I'm a big fan of Robin Leonard. And yeah. uh, I've, I, I've never really understood the knock on Robin Leonard. He's another guy. Um, He's been unbelievable this year. Yeah, uh, you know, like he... Buffalo, I think maybe that's part of the problem. Like he was just stuck in a, in, a, in a, a bad market with a lot of bad teams for a few seasons. And when you're a good goalie playing for a bad team, it, it can kind of get lost on the rest of the world about like maybe just how good you are. Because when you're going into a season and you're getting 50, 60 starts and you're only winning maybe 20 games, it's tough. Like he, like the numbers 
I don't want to say they speak for themselves, but they're blatant. They're out there. Everyone can take a look at them. They can access them from anywhere on the on the on the internet. And if you're not watching those '67 Buffalo Sabers games, I get it. You you might not think that the guy that you see on paper is as good as the guy that you might watch live or from a TV screen. And I think finally, like we're seeing Robin Leonard have the kind of season that Robin Leonard has had in Buffalo the last few seasons. But the difference here is that for whatever reason, the Islanders are putting out 18 guys in front of him that are getting the job done. Whereas the last few years where he was in Buffalo... Yeah, Robin Leonard's never played just, on a good team. Yeah, exactly. He never, he I, never I, has. I don't even know if he's on a good team this year. No. But it, it, no. it's getting done is the is the point. It's good enough. And it's he's better part than any, of it's better than why anything. it's getting done. Yeah, 100%. He's, he's, he's more focused on hockey, too. Like, you know, it, it's... You shouldn't overlook that factor, too, right? Like, there's some personal things that have changed. He's probably playing a better game this year, too, than he was last year. Um... But yeah, hundred percent. He's he's become a good player. Did you have another one there? You were gonna say no, no, no. Uh, I had two more names I was gonna throw out there kind of quickly. Uh, one is JT Comfer in Colorado, who missed a really good chunk of the first part of the year. He's twenty points in thirty four games this year, but he's a guy who contributes quite a bit at both ends of the ice. He, he's a very very good skater, which is another thing that doesn't really get talked about. Like he he's really quick. He works really hard. Um, I think Comfort is probably maybe the rest of the year away. Might not be till next year, but I, I think he is going to be a really key cog in in finishing off the rebuild that's kind of about to be finished off in Colorado to the point where they're finally going to be a competitive team. I think they're a couple pieces away, uh, likely a trade. I, I think that they could probably do something with a guy like Tyson Berry. Now that Kale McCarr is probably getting close to moving to the National Hockey League, you can move out of Barry for a guy who can probably contribute in your top six forward group. So I could see something like that going on. It's too bad Shirelli's gone because you probably could have traded him for Drysaddle. Um, <laughs> uh, the the other name, oh Brandon Tanev, is what I was going to say in Winnipeg, who's uh, sort of emerged as a real, real good third line winger, and I'm not really sure that he would be a guy in your top six that you could count on for points necessarily. But I think what Brandon Tanev is a, a, a more offensively inclined Zach Hyman uh, in a way that he can just kind of go in, force defensemen to make mistakes, and, and sort of help the skill players on the line take advantage of some certain situations. He's an unbelievable penalty killer for the Winnipeg Jets. He's fantastic. He skates incredibly well. He's super smart. He's got 11 goals in 48 games this year, 20 points. Um, he's been a step above what he was last year, and he was nothing short of spectacular for them last year. So I think Tanev's another guy, probably, especially in American markets, that doesn't really get talked about too much. Uh, Brandon Tanev would be my my last pick. Yeah, I mean, like, we could do this all yep. all night. We could have a whole pod, a bonus episode of this, but... Basic, I don't, I don't basically, know, yeah. our, our, our collective answer is... Uh, we agree on Mark Stone and we agree on Andre Kasha. Yeah, and if you want to flip this on the on the on the other end of it too, we've talked about it a little bit like how a guy like Alexander Barkov is maybe undervalued. Not anymore, but like there was a point where he was really undervalued in in the hockey community, but yeah. not by his team, which is where uh, I I came into, into questioning. Like the Florida Panthers obviously saw something there where Barkov was a premier player, yeah. and. Well, he was incredibly undervalued by 
media and fans because he plays in yeah. Florida, right? And you get, you get no attention down there unless you watch Florida Panthers games, which I can confess you couldn't pay me to fucking watch one. I, I, I've long said I, uh, I, uh, I don't really care for watching empty seats at sporting events on television because if no one wants to pay to be there, why should I want to sit at home and watch it? So, you know, there's that. But he's coming to his own. He's getting appreciated around the league a lot more than he was before. So, I mean, you know, Barkov has has that. And it's the same thing for Braden Point. Like, a lot of people last year would make the argument that Braden Point was super underrated. And I think I heard someone make that argument this year, that Braden Point's an underrated player. Braden Point has, like, 60 fucking points this year. He's 30 goals before the All-Star break. He's not underrated anymore. Everyone knows Braden Point is phenomenal. He's the best centerman on the Tampa Bay Lightning. They have fucking Steven Stamkos. Like, don't give me he's underrated. He's not underrated anymore. He's he's the face of a of one of the best teams in the league, or one of the faces, anyway. Everyone knows Braden Point's good. It's kind of like being a Leaf fan and sitting here and me telling you that Mitch Marner's underrated, or, like, fucking, even Cap, like, saying Kapanen's underrated. Like, everyone knows about Kapanen now. There's, there's no secret about Kapanen. So, yeah. yeah. Braden Point's not underrated, is, no. my, is my point. Top ten? Top ten. Top ten? Top ten. Uh, top ten this week, our final hockey top ten until probably March. As we are going to dip into, yeah, I like your look, like you like your surprise. Uh, we're we're doing a an Oscar themed month, obviously, in terms of our top tens. So we will begin our movie top tens next week. But we have our hockey top ten this week, which is your top top ten. I'm just trying to see how many times I can say top ten. Uh, we're doing the top ten players to never play in an All Star game. Why is that? Why are we doing it? Yeah, I don't remember. Was there a reason? I think the All Star games this weekend. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, tonight's the uh, skills oh, comp. Man. Yeah. Well, I won't be watching it. Hopefully, I'll be at work. Hopefully you guys are listening to this instead of watching that garbage. Yeah, I don't know. Like we, we, like we told you, it's not for... Uh, it's not for major hockey fans. And, and But one thing I will say about the All-Star game is... You know, there is a little bit of merit behind it. And, and we're going to give you ten players that were prominent in their day that never played in an All-Star game. Spoiler, this list is, uh, it was a lot harder to come up with than I think either of us expected. This was probably our most difficult top ten, but number ten is Kelly Rudy. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know kids, uh, Kelly Rudy of Hockey Night in Canada used to be a, uh, hockey player. I know you might not think that, the way he talks, but... Yeah, well, I mean, it's worth clarifying he was a goalie, he wasn't a hockey player, but he was a goaltender, and, uh, yeah... He was pretty good in his day. Yeah. Let's not kid ourselves here. For a, for a little guy, um, he was pretty damn good in that. Stanley Cup Finals uh, one time. The Kings there. He, just one time? Yeah, just the ones. Him and him and Gretz lost. But, uh, you know, uh, most times when you see a starting goaltender go to the finals like that, usually they're in the All-Star game the next year. For whatever reason, never got the call, never got the votes, whatever the case may be. So, uh, yeah, number 10. Number nine is a uh, a James. uh, You're gonna (laughs) you're gonna talk on this one too. Oh boy, Uh, James thinks Craig Anderson. Yeah, I don't know. He's you're you're talking about like a a, a guy that's um, you're talking about a guy that's played for the Ottawa Senators for the last what eight eight years ish, nine 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 years. Um, That long, eh? And look, the Sens haven't been great. You would have thought maybe this guy would have been there just on 
the basis of being the team rep one year. Eric Carlson doesn't want to go because he's nursing his sliced a, a Achilles tendon or something like that. Who are you going to send? Craig Anderson, Ghostbusters. Exactly. Yeah. But not the case. Um, to be fair, he never really came into any sort of you know, stardom until Ottawa. So his his half his career is you know he was served as a backup in Colorado and Florida and Chicago. But I'm I'm just surprised that during his time in Ottawa he never got the nod. And he had some really good seasons there for for a little while. Uh, another guy that had a couple. Decent playoff runs and, you know, just eh, never yeah. came together, I guess. So our number eight is Ed Olchek, Eddie Olchek of, uh, of NBC, NHL on NBC. And I was, giving James a, I was giving James a funny look while he was talking about Craig Anderson, mostly because I was looking up Eddie Olchek's numbers. And I was trying to figure out on Hockey Reference who CBH is until I remembered that it never used to be the Chicago Blackhawks. It was the Chicago Black Hawks. And they had a different abbreviation back in the day. So CBH was the Blackhawks. Anyway, continue, sir. That was probably the most irrelevant thing I'll ever say on this podcast. No, that's that's, that's fair. Uh, Eddie O, uh, just, the guy seemed to be around forever. Um, he did get traded a lot, which was kind of odd. Um, and I think that may have had something to do with um, him not making it. But he, he had a couple really good seasons there for a couple of years on some really bad Toronto Maple Leaf teams. Um, I don't know who made the team those years in Toronto because someone had to go. And I don't know how you don't pick the guy with, you know, 90 points one year, 88 points the year Is after Dom that. Dom Foose there? Dom Foose, maybe? Uh, Dom Foose got treated in 89. So. He would have been there. Maybe 88 for, he yeah. went, but. I don't know who's going in 89. It must have been Clark, I guess. I, I don't know, but. Maybe they sent Ballard. You know what I was noticing too. I'm going to be the irrelevant point guy on this year's, or sorry, on this week's top ten. Sure. Uh, Eddie Olchek was only in awards voting twice ever. He was 14th in Calder voting in '84, and 29th in Selkie voting in '92. Wow. <laughs> kind of amazing. He didn't, you know, get any higher. That's fair. Anyway, Eddie Olchek, number eight. Yeah. Uh, number seven, Jeff Cortnell. Ooh, this might not, be hard on the irrelevant point front. Not not Russ Cortnell, but Jeff, his uh, his brother. Not the guy with a little bit of name factor there, mainly because of Russ. But you know, Jeff had a great career. Um, played until two thousand with the St. Louis Blues. Started off in Boston, had a few good years in Boston. You know, um, Stanley Cup champion with the Edmonton Oilers. Um, but, uh, like, yeah, he had a couple, yeah, a 40 goal season, uh, you know, he capped out at around 80 points, a few other 70 point seasons later in the dead puck era. Just another one of those guys where I think he got stuck behind, um, a big name everywhere he went. Like in Boston, you're talking, you're playing behind Middleton and Bork and, uh, Neely uh, you know, in, in, in Vancouver, you're playing behind Bure and Linden and St. Louis. You're behind, you know, McKinnis and Pronger. Uh, so when it comes down to someone's got to go, he never really seemed to get the call. Um, 
just a steady career to the point where he had nearly 800 points, 799 in just over 1,000 games. The guy was steady. He was a very capable NHL you know, forward who just never had that one year that you know, put him in elite company, which is, like I said, very hard to do in the NHL. We, we went through this, at least I did, uh, uh, over the years, who made the, year, uh, the All-Star game each year, and it's tough not to make it. Almost like it's it's almost more impressive to not make it than it is to make it when you break it down um, and and look at all the factors that go into in who becomes an all star and who doesn't year to year. Yeah, he got voted into the game. He just never made it. Yeah, that was my point for Jeff Cordnell. Ah, all right. Well, number six, Chris Drury. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Chris Drury, kind of, kind of good, I guess. Uh, Drury had uh, 615 points in 892 games. Yeah, and uh, 37 goal season with Buffalo in in 06, 07. and that and that really is the year. I'm surprised he didn't make it. You know, you're talking about a guy that was in the heart voting uh, talks. But, uh, yeah, no, you're talking about a guy that was in the heart uh, conversation for uh, part of the season at least. Just didn't didn't get the cut. I don't know. Danny Briere, I guess, must have went for the Sabres that year. Um, he had some yes. good years in Colorado prior to that, won a Stanley Cup. And he made a lot of money from he, his time in yeah, Buffalo. He made a lot so, of years. Um, you know, you'll give him that. So, yeah. Chris Drury, number six, that was? Yeah, number six. What's number five? Yeah. Uh, number five was Peter Nedved. Ooh, I have uh, I have a point about Peter Nedved. Uh, Peter Nedved competed for uh, Canada on uh, on an international stage before. I, I think we've mentioned that before. Yeah, it's just my irrelevant point for the oh, for good, the for good. the player. Nice. Yeah. Let me know when you're talking about number four. Uh, number four, Thomas Steen. Oh, okay. Father of Alex Steen, former captain of the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, you're sort of taking all my points there, Jimmy. <laughs> No, Thomas Steen had a great career, honestly. Um, you know, he was a really consistent player. Like, one thing I always liked about Thomas Steen, is it really doesn't speak to him being an all-star or not. It's just kind of an interesting thing. Is uh, One of those players that spent a lot of time with one organization, which I have a lot of respect for. I think that's pretty cool. Another guy, he, he had a lot of Selkie votes in his career. He's so more of a defensive guy, which I don't think helps your case as making the all-star game. No one wants to watch the trap at the all-star game. But uh, at the end of the day, despite being a defensive guy, still had 817 points in about 950 games. A couple uh, 80-point seasons. Very steady player. You know, never gonna, never gonna lead you to the maybe the promised land. But you know, definitely the kind of guy you want on your. More, more of a Miku Koivu of, of today, really. If you had to, sure. Compare just, just, just Swedish. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Thomas, Thomas Steen. Yeah, I like how you say Steen like you're Swedish or something. Uh, trying to recognize. All right, so we're, we're to the big three now. Top three. Top Cheddar. Yeah, these are three kind of surprising names, actually. Yeah. Okay, so number three. Yeah. Uh, Slava Kozlov. Yeah. Via, or for those of you who are not, <laughs> those of you who don't know him by his nickname, we're talking about Vyacheslav Kozlov. Where, where did Vy- they come Vy- up Vy- with Slava? Vyacheslav. 
Well, sla- you know, it ends in Slav. Slava. Slav. Same thing, Voinov was Slava Voinov, you know. Slav. Yeah, Vyesha v- v- Slav Kozlov. <laughs> I always wished I was named <laughs> Vyacheslav Vyacheslav Bataglia Yeah So Slava yeah. Kozlov had to You coming to Jules' party tonight? <laughs> Vyacheslav? <laughs> nah, like just imagine, just imagine Jonah Hill's character in Superbad being named Vyacheslav. You mentioned, like, a, some sort of, you know, romantic comedy where you, you bring the girlfriend back to dinner and the and the mother's just like, Oh, Vyacheslav, you're not going to finish your peas? And she's like, Who's Vyacheslav? Yeah, and you're like, like in, uh, I in, changed my name. In fucking uh, Four Christmases where Vince Vaughn brings <laughs> Reese Witherspoon back to the house. Orlando. And his name's Orlando because they were all named after the cities they were conceived in. But one of them's just got like a hilarious name too, like just an awful city to be named Dallas, after. Dallas, Denver, and Orlando. I thought. Yeah. But, okay. I'll yeah. look. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, talk about Kozlov. Kozlov. Yeah. Uh, Detroit for the first half of his career. So you're talking about situations where you're playing with guys like Yasmin Shanahan, Fedorov, Lidstrom. At some point, you just can't put the whole Red Wings roster in the All Star game. Otherwise, it'd just be the Detroit Red Wings playing. Um, but what really surprised, I think, both of us is that he never really got the shot in Atlanta, especially when his career was you know, starting to dwindle down. He was getting a little bit older there, and maybe someone said, you know, this guy's never played an all game before. Let's give him a crack. Uh, yeah, Atlanta sent some pretty fucking hilarious people to the All-Star games over the years, yeah, too. So that's the thing. Like, the guy wasn't bad. He had... He had an eighty-point season at the age of thirty-four. Like he was, uh, you know, always competitive into his in his late thirties. Uh, just the fact that he never got in playing for Atlanta, I think, is is the biggest factor here. Yeah. Um, for what it's worth, John Favreau played Denver Denver McVie, and Tim McGraw was Dallas McVie in Four Christmases. Tim McGraw. Eh? Yeah. Not a guest. Yeah. Uh, so number two, uh, well traveled is the best way to describe this player. And maybe that's the problem here. Uh, but uh, number two is Cliff Running. Yeah. Yeah, Cliff Running's an interesting one. Never, like, the the best, even on his team. What team do you associate Cliff Running with? For me, Nashville. Yeah, me too. But he, Which he, is weird. His longest tenure was Vancouver. Yeah. Um... Uh, where he probably had the most success, 328 games in Vancouver, or sorry, 328 points in Vancouver, 366 points. And, yeah, I guess he's uh, a Vancouver Kanaka. Yeah, I don't know why. He's just one of those guys I remember starting out the Nashville. I think he was claimed in the expansion draft. <laughs> I was just Vancouver. sort of hoping your answer was going to be the Kings because he played there for 14 games. Oh, nice, nice, nice. No, I I don't remember him being a King at all. Yeah, uh, that, that is happened. news to me. Um, but um, not the best player in this list. Don't get us wrong. Just again, one of those situations where he was with Nashville for a few years. How does Nashville not send him? Who who is Nashville sending over Cliff Ronning? Mike Dunham. Maybe, but why? <laughs> I don't know. You don't need another Barry goalie. Trotz. 
Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, Cliff just, Ronning, just number seem, two. Seems, seems odd. They probably sent one year, they probably sent, uh, fuck, what was his name? Sergei Kivokrasov. God. Wouldn't be shocked, honestly, if they sent him one year. Uh, yeah. I'm going to look it up while you're doing number one. All right, well, number one, um... Possibly... Okay. I'm going to I'm gonna make a guess that number one is the most mentioned player in the history of this podcast that isn't currently in the NHL. You might be right. Because we have... I feel like every second week this guy creeps his way in. Yeah. Either in the intro or in the top ten. I he may lead us in top tens at this point. I can confirm that he is the highest scoring player to never make the All-Star game. Uh, not only that, he is the only player in the top 120 scorers of all time that has never made the All-Star game. Um, he played, what was it, 20, not not quite 20 years, 19 seasons in NHL, never made the All-Star game. Uh, we're talking about everyone's favorite British-born hockey player, Steve Thomas. Um... I think part of his problem, similar to Ronning, is that uh, you know he just never really stayed in the same place for too long, and established any sort of superstardom with one franchise. Obviously, we're Leaf fans; we remember him quite fondly as a Leaf, but he wasn't there for you know any long period—three years here, three years there, kind of thing. Uh, most most of his career was spent in Chicago. He had seven seasons there, but even there, it wasn't all in one stint. He had to, you know, he went back to Chicago later in his career. Um, a, a great year with the Ducks, no three, where he goes to the Sun Cup Finals. But by that point, we're talking about a 39-year-old guy that's, you know, probably not going to the All-Star game when he's 40. So, yeah, I don't know, Steve Thomas. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? All-Star? Oh, should have been Steve. Steve Thomas, 100. Um, percent Steve Thomas is. Yeah, he's just a legend of the game, and it's kind of amazing that he had no point did he ever get a uh, a lifetime achievement sort of nod, and it's just like, yeah, you're in kind of thing. Uh, what I will note, uh, going back to what we were talking about earlier, is what years did uh, Cliff Ronning play for the Predators? He got 99-03. So, like so interesting fact, uh, there were a few years prior to the lockout where they got rid of the representing, every team needs a representative. There was a brief time there where you didn't need one. Mm. Um, so for three years, the Nashville Predators did not send an all-star, which is kind of insane. Three years in a row, they didn't send anyone. But I will take some credit here because the first Nashville Predator ever elected to the all-star game was C. Sergei Krivokrasov. Wow. So I called that. That's impressive. I'm, I, I call, and I didn't even mention I called the Nazem Kadri hat, hat trick tonight. Honestly, I might put some fucking money down in Vegas about like who's going to win March Madness right now while the while the while the odds are high. If I put like a hundred bucks on Villanova right now, I probably win like ten thousand dollars. So nice. I might but just do it. Can you call eight consecutive Tom Brady plays? We'll find out, won't we? All right. That's what next week's going to be. It's going to be our Super Bowl preview episode. Oh, there's nothing to talk about. With where it's just break. like brutes. The Patriots are going to be fine, bro. And I'm just like. I don't know, man. And then it's just that for 45 minutes. You're just reassuring me that everything's going to be fine, and I'm not too sure. Yeah, I don't know. Um, 
my Patriots are in the Super Bowl, so I'm, Congratulations. I'm, I'm incredibly nervous already, and it's like a week and a half away. So What's it like to watch one of your favorite teams uh, compete for a championship? Because I've never well, seen Well, let that. me tell you, not only have I seen it recently, it was we actually had a podcast already the last time it happened, so let me tell you. Uh, you know, it was great watching the Boston Red Sox win the World Series. It's great. We don't have Drew Pomeranz anymore, so it's only uh, we're only going up now. So, uh, you know, it's it's a great time. It's a great time. It's been a great time since I go four for my sports career. Speaking of uh, the, the Red Sox career. winning World Series, uh, I, I realized uh, in an article from one of my favorite writers, the NHL only seems to have season-ending lockouts the year after uh, a Boston Red Sox uh, World Series. So thanks, man, for not having any hockey. Well, it's more so around a Boston Red Sox World Series because... They won it after the 2012 lockout. But well, they won it in 04, and then there was a lockout. And then they won it in 2013 after the lockout kind of thing. And right? then they so. won it in 1918, and then in 1919 there was no... Ooh, influenza. Yes. Nice. So, well, it's, stop you know, winning, please. Blame Babe Ruth. I don't know what to okay. tell you. I will. Or John Henry. Maybe call him. Sure. Call the owner of the Boston Red Sox. Ask if he wants to be on the podcast. Uh, that's laced up for this week. Find us on Stitcher, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Clomper. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, love us on your drive to work. That was a good one. That was better than last week's. Yeah, that one made more sense. Um, we will be up, be back next week with a. We'll be up. <laughs> we'll be yeah. Well, fuck. We'll be up with some sort of a episode next week. Um, we probably won't talk a lot about the All-Star game, so it might be a shorter episode, maybe more football and movies. I don't know. Let us know what you want to hear if you yeah. have any opinions. I don't know. Yeah. You're, you're the listener. We'll do whatever you want. We're here. We are your monkeys, and we are here to dance for you. So, uh, <laughs> um, Yeah, okay, I'm good. Are you good? You got anything to no, plug? You got anything to say? That's it. I'll have something out on Puck 77 in the next few days. So Nice. Okay. Uh, thanks for tuning in, folks. See you later. Goodbye.